The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening and welcome to the March 26, 2019 edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine's podcast series, Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. Um, my name is Mark Zorianis, third Don, editor-in-chief and producer of this program. And I want to thank you for joining us this evening. I first wanted to start off by thanking everyone for the uh, great feedback, kind comments, and uh, unbelievable support for what we've put out so far. I promise you it's just the beginning. We are in the process of really trying to um, step up our game on this podcast. And uh, as we did with the magazine, I think each edition, each version, will just get better and better. We're already lining up a series of guests for interviews and exciting stories. And we're going to change up the format on occasion. And we'll try to do some live broadcasts. So, that being said, I want to step into tonight's topic, which is one that's very serious one that I've written about and one that I think is really important for the martial arts community and that involves the role and the behavior of instructors in the martial arts community and the trust that is imparted to us in this capacity. On March 9th, 2019, I wrote an article entitled What's Leaving Neverland? What Leaving Neverland Can Teach Martial Arts Instructors. I wrote that article after watching the really explosive um, and very controversial HBO five-hour documentary called Leaving Neverland. For those of you who are not familiar with that documentary, it is a program that was made. I think it was sold to HBO. Uh, It involves two adult males that made very substantive claims about their relationship with Michael Jackson and sexual abuse that they underwent for a long period of time, as well as emotional manipulation in their relationship with the pop star. The documentary itself was quite controversial and the response to it was quite explosive as a result of the fact that there are some concern about the fact that obviously Jackson's not around to defend himself and defend the specific allegations that are contained in the film And that, particularly as it relates to one of the boys, who's now a man, there had been some prior statements when he was a child that Jackson had never had an inappropriate relationship with him. 
much of the focus of the documentary and the subsequent programs that came out related to discussions as to whether or not there was credibility on behalf of the boys, whether or not there was sufficient evidence, whether or not it was possible, it was probable, it was likely that Jackson had committed the crimes that were alleged in the film. For me, none of that matters. Not to say that I don't think it's significant, and certainly it's significant to those boys. It's significant to Jackson and his family, and it's significant to other boys. What I mean by that is, what's more significant is, why are we even asking the question? This question, and the questions that surround this, are the product of, in my opinion, the fact that certain lines were crossed undoubtedly, unquestionably, by anybody's standards, whether or not the deepest and most serious of allegations occurred. The fact that we're having the conversation at all is the product of the fact that decorum, behavior, with certain relationships and certain protocol was breached and as a result we're faced with asking questions that only the people involved know the answer to and when I saw the the documentary I thought about so many of the horrible stories that I've seen in the paper and seen on the news in recent days about martial arts instructors and similar accusations. And those accusations are not limited to martial arts instructors of Taekwondo or karate or anyone's style. But again, in in listening to those stories and reading those stories with great interest, there's no good outcome to those stories. If the allegations that are made are false, it's tragic for all parties. If the allegations are true, equally tragic for all parties. But the thing that rings true to me in all of those stories, as it rang true when I watched Leaving Neverland, was that had certain precautions been taken, had certain safeguards been put in place, had certain behavior been engaged in an appropriate fashion, we'd never be having this conversation. We would never be faced with the possibility to ask the question, did something so horrible happen to a young person under the care of someone that they trusted? Did the ultimate betrayal of their trust and of their person occur in the hands of somebody who should have been looking out for them and should have been caring for them? And the fact of the matter is that we only ask that question because even if those things aren't true, the behavior that was engaged in was out of line and inappropriate under the circumstances. I have the proud distinction of being a martial arts instructor. To me, that imparts upon me a certain standard of behavior, of moral accountability, that I must hold myself to 
in my behavior as it relates to my students and particularly as it relates to the children that are under my care because those are the most vulnerable members of our society. It's important that I not only engage in appropriate behavior and that I behave in cautionary behavior, but as a martial arts instructor, that I not even engage in any type of behavior that can be construed as inappropriate. And I think that's an important lesson. It isn't enough to simply say, I didn't do anything wrong. Have you given the appearance that you've done something wrong to the world? And more importantly, to the person, whether it be a young boy, a young girl, a young group, that you've been entrusted to protect and instruct and lead and mold. Because let's face it, that's what we are imparted to do as martial arts instructors. We're not simply teaching technique. We're teaching about life, or that's what we should be doing. And we should be taking that extremely seriously. It seems to me that if some simple rules were followed in all these cases, and in the Jackson case, that the question, the life-changing questions that have been asked would never have to be asked. If the person in the role of protector, of instructor, of adult, always put the interest and the well-being of the child first, that's number one. And number two, if that instructor and adult was always clear about the role that they played in the relationship with the children under their care, and the thought about the potential impact of all of their behavior on the current and the future well-being of the child. If those two things were considered in all things, in all manner of behavior, I think you'd find that there'd be a lot less of these types of incidents that would occur in our society and certainly within the confines of the martial arts world. It's important that as instructors we consider ourselves to be role models and leaders and the molders of young minds and of futures. And to recognize the trust of our students is something that we're responsible for. And the possible betrayal of that trust is something that can have lifelong negative impact on that child in every relationship that they have. It's something we need to be cognizant of. You know, it's there's a line in, as an instructor that we want to be liked and we want to have win the hearts of our students through being able to connect to them. But we're not their friends. When I say that, I don't mean that you shouldn't be sympathetic or empathetic to your students' lives. Of course, I think that's important. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be playful. My entire life, I had a balance of instructors that were immensely strict and fearful at times, but who were amazingly funny and amazingly well-humored. And I looked up to them. And I never, ever misunderstood the role that they played 
as their role of leader and teacher and mentor. I never thought as a younger person that we were on parity. When I say that, I don't mean that we're not on parity as human beings. Of course, we're all equal as human beings, but we weren't on parity in terms of the role that we played in the dojang and in the classroom. And that's what's important. As the instructor, you must be the leader. You must be the party that establishes the high ideals and helps your students to achieve those ideals, to be their best self, to achieve things that they didn't even understand that they should achieve. And we need to draw a line in the sand in terms of our behavior. Students look to us for approval and for love and for guidance, and they look to bond with us as instructors. And that's important. And that's a really great thing for us. And it gives you a great and unique opportunity to guide a student, to take a student that may be on the fence in terms of how they feel about their life or how they feel about adults and maybe might take a wayward path and to lead that student down the right path towards success and achievement and greatness. You can't be dismissive of the role that you play. You can't think to yourself, well, I'm just a Taekwondo instructor, right? I'm not a teacher. I'm not a police officer. I'm not a politician. I'm not a priest. I'm not a rabbi. No, you're a significant person in their life. They think you're what they, in that classroom they aspire to be in the future. And if you talk to them long enough, you'll see how many of them say, I want to be a Taekwondo master someday, or I want to be a black belt, or I want to be a Taekwondo instructor. Well, who do you think they're modeling themselves after? They're modeling themselves after you, among others. And that's really scary stuff. It's a lot of responsibility. But it's important that you think about it and you think about it every time you walk into the dojang and every time you have an interaction with one of those students. That being said, I'd like to give you some tangible pointers. I've talked sort of theoretically. But somebody, you may be saying, well, well what are you talking about? Like, I don't really understand. So maybe I can give some guidance. And that's what I tried to do in the article that I wrote. The first thing I would say is never speak to your students about inappropriate things. Your students should never be involved in your personal life. And again, I, I talk about lines because sometimes there are lines that it's a little bit hard to for people to understand. You want to have a human interaction with your students. You want to be able to relate to them. You want to be able to tell personal stories. People love to hear about, you know, when I was your age, my master used to make me do a hundred sidekicks in a row, or my master would do this, or we, we trained in the day, we used to have to train with no air conditioning and no break, or whatever the case was, or the reason I became involved in Taekwondo was the following. Those are important. Those help you to be humanized to your student. What isn't appropriate is for you to breach personal lines and talk to your students like they're your age-appropriate buddies and say, you know, last night I took this girl to the movies, and this happened and that happened and whatever the case is, those are not things that are appropriate for you to discuss with your, with your young students. 
there's a line and that line shouldn't be crossed. Similarly, it's not just about what you say to your students. It's what you say when you're around your students. So while you may, it may be appropriate for you to have that kind of a conversation around a, another instructor who's of the same age as yours or a friend or to make a phone call, you have to be cognizant of what students are around and what students are watching you. If you have those conversations in front of your students and you're disrespectful of the fact that your student is there, it isn't enough to say, well, I wasn't talking to them. They're a kid. No, you shouldn't be having that conversation in front of them. So therefore, it's an important lesson. Number two, I want you to be aware of your use of technology around students. This, this could not be more pressing and important than it is in today's day and age. What are you listening to around a student? You know, what are you watching? What program? What music are you listening to? What's, what, are, what are the lyrics? What, are, what is the dialogue of the movie? What are the visual images? Are you sending a signal to them while you're telling them that certain things aren't appropriate, that it's okay for you to do it, but it's not okay for them to do it? Are you exposing them to seeing or hearing things that they shouldn't hear or that maybe that their parents wouldn't approve of or that maybe isn't age-appropriate? Again, remember, they're going to emulate you. They're going to think you're cool. They're going to feel like they, they want to be like you. So you need to exercise restraint, self-control, and good judgment in the presence of your student. And think about this. It's not your place to determine for your students that, hey, this student is mature and can handle this type of a, being exposed to this type of content. That's, that's not your role. Your role is to respect and support what happens for them at home and to err on the side of caution and to always expose them to positive images. Let's not cross that line. We're, we're acting in the role of the parent when you're in the dojang, but you're not the parent and you shouldn't be making those ultimate decisions for them. Number three, do not make your children, your students responsible for adult emotions, feelings, or problems. This is similar to number one, but it's a little bit more complex. And it's, it's something that occurs. And one of the things I, I really hooked into when I was watching this Leaving Neverland is this notion of making your students responsible for your problem, your well-being, your emotional state. Um, it's not, not okay. You should always be an upbeat force. You're having a bad day? Yeah, you could talk about that generally, but you shouldn't make them feel the burden of having to lock in on you emotionally and uplift you. Similarly, this is this is one that is really, really important. You may feel that you build a bond with a student by sharing some secret with that student, but it's not appropriate. A secret is something that is a burden for somebody. It becomes a burden for that student. Who do I tell? Who do I not tell? Do I share that information with my parent? Uh, it's something that the instructor shared with me. It gives you power over that student. It's an emotional tool of manipulation. And it can cause tremendous strength and anxiety. And while that may not be your intention, you have to think about that. And I don't mean necessarily you know, some small secret like, uh, don't tell Master Elliot we got him a birthday gift. Something like that is, you know, again, you have to put things in perspective, but you should never share 
some sort of an emotional burden or an emotional secret with your student that they're required to keep at any at any length because it won't serve them well. And it really is an emotional manipulative tool. And that's not an appropriate way to deal with your students. Number four, always engage in appropriate touching. You know, martial arts is a physical sport. Physical contact's a part, a really healthy part of human experience, in my opinion. We do a lot of things together. We do sit-ups, we do push-ups, we do wheelbarrow push-ups. Um, we, 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 we put our, our hands out while somebody leaps in, into our hand and jumps into the air and, and breaks some boards. I think all these things are great. Um, high fives, touches on the shoulder, taps on the back, maybe a tap on the head. Those things can be great sources of encouragement, but that's not a license to simply touch a student in any way, shape, or form that you want. And I think that people understand what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. You certainly don't touch students in any sort of a body part that's inappropriate. You certainly don't make suggestive remarks about a student, but we'll get to that in a moment. And for those students that don't like to be touched or feel uncomfortable to be touched, that it's evident that they either say it or you can tell from their demeanor, then you should shy away from it. It isn't about what you want. It's about encouraging them and making them feel better. So as a simple rule, if you're not sure if contact with the child is appropriate, if you're not sure if that child it's appropriate, then don't engage in, in that type of contact with the student. Um, I'm a big believer that physical contact is an important part of the human experience, and I think it makes people feel good. A hug, uh, a handshake, a high five, those are, are positive. Those are appropriate. And again, if you don't know what's appropriate, then simply bow and use words of encouragement. That's just my suggestion. Number five, speak appropriately. Again, use words of encouragement, but refrain from being overly personal. That's positive or negative. Again, never use vulgarity. No one's perfect. I use vulgarity once in a while, never in the dojang, hopefully. But in my life, it's, it's important. I have children to not use vulgarity if you can avoid it. And again, we understand, I think, as human beings, what's appropriate to say. A student comes in, they got themselves a haircut. It's appropriate. It's encouraging. It makes them feel good. Hey, nice haircut, Bobby. Looking good. Looking sharp. But let's not cross lines of personal decorum. Let's not speak about people in a demeaning way. Let's not speak about people in a suggestive way. Let's not speak about people in an objectifying way. Um... Let's not cross certain boundaries. And certainly, let's never attack the physical appearance of a student. Let's never make a student feel self-conscious about any aspect of their physical being that's crushing in the situation as an instructor. Think about how you wanted to be spoken to as a child. If you're a parent, think about how you would want someone to speak to your child. Again, Exercise caution in the event that you, you're unsure of what to say and not to say. Defer to 
being more formal, not less formal. My final tangible pointer is, and this relates very, very deeply to some issues that have taken place in the Taekwondo world, particularly in the sport world. If you have the opportunity to travel and coach your students, avoid not only impropriety, but the appearance of impropriety. It's a very, very personal interaction when we go traveling with our students. Sometimes the parents are there, sometimes the parents aren't there. Sometimes it's in a large group, sometimes it's in a small group. But now that we're outside of the dojang, it's a much more human environment, and that can be a lot of fun. But there has to be an element of decorum and appropriateness. Think about the message that is sent by the sleeping arrangements, by the travel arrangements. You've got to create a healthy, safe, and non-confusing environment for your students. This is so important. You have to articulate respectful, healthy boundaries outside of the dojang to make sure that the student understands that you're their coach, that you're their teacher, that you're not their friend. You cannot do things that will lead to some sort of confusion in the minds and the hearts of your students. Therefore, you may have to be more formal than you would normally be in the situation. Remember, you're not on vacation. This is part of your experience of molding. Simple things. Again, don't speak to a student in a certain way. Don't touch a student in a certain way. If you have an opportunity to be in a room with a student, I would suggest certainly do not walk around in any undergarments in the presence of the student. Do not share a bed with a student. Don't sit on the bed with a student. Be respectful of their bathroom privacy. Exercise good discretion in your bathroom privacy. And behave with modesty. There is great consequences to crossing lines, even inadvertently, in these situations and sending confusing messages to a student. Good judgment is more important than sidekicks and gamjungs in traveling to a tournament with one of your students. <laughs> you know, students in tournament situations that have relationships with their coaches, they seek the approval of their coaches and they feel a sense of responsibility and defeat. In talking to students that have lost in tournaments, many times their feeling that they disappointed their coaches is as burdensome for them as having disappointed themselves. It's incumbent upon you as an instructor and a coach to deal appropriately with the emotional well-being of your students and to encourage them to do the best for themselves, not for you personally, maybe for your team, for your country. Those things are understandable, but it should never be personally tied to their relationship with you. That is a breach of your relationship with them. Acting inappropriately with our students in any way, even if it's not criminal, even if it's not immoral, in my opinion, is a betrayal of trust. We have a special honor and a gift to teach students Taekwondo. These students are the most vulnerable members of our society by virtue of their age and their place. As an instructor, you're in, in a position 
to provide them with the most appropriate and inspiring of behavior and to help them to make a life-changing and meaningful positive impact in their life that will help them to achieve success and happiness and be able to be a better person for themselves and for their family and for the other people in their lives. I think that the relationships that we have with our students, when we love them appropriately and motivate them effectively, can be the most powerful relationships in, in their lives. But when we betray them, when we engage in behavior that betrays their, the standard of conduct that is appropriate for us, we can cause confusion and emotional scarring and depression for them and lifelong damage. It is, to me, the greatest of, of betrayals that we can, that we can do. So when I watched Leaving Neverland, I recognized that the, the lessons of that show, that five-hour documentary, transcended the relationship of the pop star to his fans. We need to map out clear and unconditional standards of behavior for ourselves as instructors and adults, and we need to always mitigate against the chances of confusing the students that are under our care. For me, and I know for the people that I teach with, the role of being a Taekwondo instructor is, is so much more than teaching kicking and punching. It's about teaching people to be what we call champions of life. And I think if you're someone who's in the role and you're not prepared to be a protector and an advocate for students, and if you're not prepared to take on the burden to make sure that you're always doing the right thing, then you should simply walk away. Don't teach. Don't be an instructor. Just be a student. That's fine, too. I hope this has been helpful. And I ask you to think about these things. And I look forward to hearing some of your comments. We, I, I, When I posted this article originally, I had some really interesting comments and supportive comments and the personal stories that people shared with me, both of their some of them of their personal betrayal, some of them of their fear, some of them of how excited they were to see somebody talking about these issues were great, and I would look forward to see your and hear your comments in the future. Thank you. This has been the March 26th edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine's podcast, Taekwondo Magazine Live. My name is Mark Surianis, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.